0: I'm excited to let you know that the sponsor for the podcast for the month of August is Buck Knives. We're doing a really great giveaway, the Buck 119 and the Buck 112. I personally own both of these knives, and they're fantastic. And I love the Buck Company, Christian Company, with every single box you get. You get the message of salvation on a little card and a call to repentance. It's just fantastic. Listen to their ad and then enjoy the show Every hunter knows that it's not about the success, it's all in the pursuit. The new Pursuit series of fixed blades and folders by Buck Knives has you covered. Proudly made in the USA, the Pursuit series is available in two sizes. Large, with or without a gut hook, and small. The non-slip handle will keep your knife comfortably in hand while you process your harvest. Gear up for the season at BuckKnives.com. While you're there, use promo code Buck20 at checkout and save an extra 20%. For a limited time, offer expires September 1, 2019. Valid only at BuckKnives.com. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. All right, well, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm really excited today. I get to interview a good friend of mine. Uh, Nick Volkening, who has, literally Nick, you have the coolest last name I've ever heard. <laughs> How many times have you heard that before?
1: Uh, you know, I hear it a lot. Usually it's uh, it's compared to like Star Trek character or mispronounced horribly or both. And that's so, awesome. yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a common comment I get.
0: Yeah, in Voldemort, right? I mean, it sounds right. like, you know, the name... I. I I've Jordan <laughs> has actually made me sit down and watch the Harry Potter series and I just can't get into it, man. But every time I hear Vulcan, I think oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it time because they start off a little more childish, but they get a little more intense. Okay. Go. So
0: have you read yeah. them or just watched the movies? You know, I've,
1: uh, I, I like to do the audio books of Harry okay. Potter. And so I've got the audiobooks and it's fun for like, if you're going on a run or you're, which, like i go for runs I, I that's probably a bad example but like building or working on the house or something i like to okay.
0: listen to
2: harry potter audio books so yeah
0: nice. this is the first time harry potter has ever made a uh, uh, mention in the show so hey incredible. i'm honored
1: i'm honored to be part of it then so
0: let's <laughs> okay, pray and then i'll let you introduce yourself to to everybody that's listening and, and we'll get some good questions and conversation going so let's pray
2: Perfect,
0: Father. I thank you for a friend, a brother. It's been awesome to be able to watch Nick and watch you work in Nick's life, and I thank you that you brought Aaron and uh, their son Bennett into their into into uh, his life. And it's just been so wonderful to see you direct them, and not only at Red Hill where they where they were, but now as they're planting uh, in Champagne. It's just awesome to see your hand all over their lives. It's just going to be really cool to have this conversation. I pray you would lead it and and guide it. And everybody that's listening, I pray would be encouraged by, by this conversation. Thank you for Nick. Uh, lead this time. i trust that you will in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. For those who don't know who you are, give us an introduction. Tell us about yourself, your family and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah, man. Um, so my name is Nick. Really honored to get to talk with you. I'm thankful for you, Jared. And, um, yeah, so my wife and I, we met in, uh, it was the end of 2015, got married in 2016, and uh, at the time I was serving on sort of like a volunteer staff capacity with a church plant in the St. Louis metro area called Red Hill, and um, we sort of accidentally became a church that loved college students. Like, that's what got me up there was finishing my undergraduate, and uh, as we got into it, we just started reaching college students and seeing college students come around, and so and to serve there, and my capacity was really focused on the college campus and reaching students and um, additionally thinking about like developing leaders for our church we wanted to be a church that sent. And uh, and so I thought I was going to be the guy who raised up a bunch of leaders and sent them out to plant churches. And for whatever reason, the Lord just kind of stirred, and it ended up being he was preparing me all the while I was at Red Hill and sent us out. And so, uh, yeah, over uh, over about the last year and the year and a half was the time that we really started to wrestle seriously with the call to planting. Um, I always knew we'd be involved in it somehow, but like I said, thought we would be more of the sending force. Um, and so uh, yeah, just began to really wrestle with that calling and what we saw affirmed by the pastors around us. And uh, the Lord just really putting a burden in air and I to go. Um, we uh, we ended up uh, just two weeks ago, we moved officially, but announced in, April, that we were headed out to plant right at the beginning of April of this last year. Um, and so, yeah, just have been praying and fundraising and all the things you have to do to plant a church and
2: yeah.
1: you have to do organizationally to not go to jail and all those things we've been working on. And uh, so that's been really good. And so, it's uh, Aaron and I, my wife, and we have um, our son who is uh, about 14 months old as they've been. In. And so, uh, yeah, life's good, man. I'm, uh, I'm profoundly thankful. So,
0: so if there are any listeners out there that have about a hundred grand in their back pocket and they want to support a church plant, I can send them your way. Is that right? I,
1: I would not turn that away. Absolutely. I I would allow, I'd have a conversation about it at least.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, let's go through uh, a little bit of history here. You, so I first met you when uh, when we were both part of Cornerstone. You came to Cornerstone when you were how old? Junior, senior in high school, something like that? Yeah, I was. I think I was
1: 17 years old when we started okay. ascending there. So. Okay.
0: Now, one of the things I immediately recognized you about you, Nick, from from just when I first met you is that you were kind of a, a man trapped in a child's body. <laughs> and, and, and you and Garen being friends, I mean, you yeah. could have taken over the world together. You know, Garen is vice president of a company or something like that at 22 (laughs) years old. It's ridiculous. I mean, just amazing things. (laughs) Both of you had just a way about you that was older than, you know, than your actual age. At least it seemed that (laughs) way. And then it was very clear from my perspective that, that God had gifted you with Mm. people uh, to, to know a room well, to know the needs of people. At least it seemed like to me, when was it that you felt called into ministry and then tell us about that process then to, you know being ordained uh, being in ministry at Red Hill just the, the internal external you know process for you because a lot of the listeners are going through that e- even right now
1: yeah absolutely man well it was a like it was a process for me I think a lot of guys have like this moment where they look back and go I, I it was like the heavens opened up and God said like I'm calling you to ministry and for me it was more um, a sort of an evolution, I guess, if uh, <laughs> that's a pregnant word to use, but it was an evolution for for me in calling. I think I, uh, in high school, um, I, I just started at, like coming alive in Christ. I think at the end of my junior high career is the moment, if I have to pick a moment where the Lord like really got me, where he really gripped, gripped my heart and changed my heart. Um, you know, it was at the end of that junior high period. So I went into high school, like wanting to serve Jesus, wanting to make disciples. And, uh, man, I loved, um, I loved people, loved building new relationships. Like that was just kind of something God had woven into me, I think. And, uh, and so, um, and and I, I studied hard. I worked really hard in high school. And so, um, I kind of put those things together. It was like, man, I like people. I'm sort of an academic and I want to make disciples. So, um, I thought the road was going to be, um, like being a professor, being a seminary professor or something like that. And so um, I think that was just attracted to me. And I sort of pictured like my life is like Indiana Jones as a high school student where I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like teaching and then I'm like out in the field doing cool stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, as, I, as I continue to be discipled, I mean, like Jared, you were one of those pivotal voices in that time of my life. Um, along with another guy named Tim Bueller, who, uh, yeah. who you know, oh, yeah. um, these these two men who were just investing deeply in my life were opening the Bible with me, were caring for my soul. And I saw the impact the Lord was making in me through those things. And so I think, like, I think I knew the Lord was calling me into pastoral ministry before, long before I ever said that out loud. Yeah. But it just sort of like, I don't know, I just sort of like, it's like you just wake up and you've got the pants on. Not with the kind of, again, the, kind of the pants of pastoral ministry or whatever. But uh, yeah, so there, it, there came, I think, a point right about the time we met Jared where um, I remember vividly sitting down with Tim and going like, okay, I, I hear people use this language. What does it mean to be called pastoral ministry? And so I remember that com- conversation really vividly. And I think that was the point where I went like, okay, this – this isn't just something that I like to do. This is something that I have to do in a good way, you know? Um, and so I think, yeah, by the end of my teen years, I was going into college knowing that I wanted to serve the church as Mm -hmm. a pastor. So
0: awesome. It's so cool. And I think for you, you've had a lot of people, it seems like in your life that in, in, you know, from Tim, Tim has been a a voice in my life as well. That's just been so great. But people have recognized your giftings for a long time. one of the things that I've admired about you is that you've maintained a humility about you, even with the gifts that God has given you. Mm -hmm. God's given you people around you that have recognized those gifts. And it hasn't from what I can tell. And I'm sure you deal with, with pride like any of the rest of us, but Mm -hmm. you've maintained a humility about you that I've really admired. And so keep that fighting for that fighting against pride and, uh, you know, keep, keep doing what Paul told Timothy to do, which was, uh, the flame of your gifts or whatever of the laying uh, on hands. I'm, I'm yep. butchering that, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad to see you where you guys are. And it's just been Thanks neat to see all that develop. Now you up to this point have had some decision points in your life that have been really hard, it's been hard. You had opportunities and had, had to pray through those opportunities. Now people are coming out of seminary or they're in a position as a youth pastor and they're praying through God, what do you want me to do? And their opportunities before them. How do you, as you look back now, how do you assess? Like, what would you do to encourage somebody who is in similar situations as you, um, to be able to navigate difficult decisions? Uh, like, you just kind of just throw your hands in the air and say, God, God, just whatever you want. I mean, what do you do? Yeah,
1: yeah. I always, I always laugh. I
0: kind of think about this
1: almost in the same terms of like when people are talking about meeting your spouse and they say something like, well, when you know, you know, I'm like, that's just very unhelpful advice. What does that even mean? And I didn't know what that meant until I knew. And then I was like, oh, that's what that means. (laughs) So I think there's certainly a measure of like, I mean, you wanna be wise, you wanna be prudent, you wanna think through your options carefully. Um, I think the major turning point came for me I think really just in this last season of discerning the a call to planting where I finally started talking to the Lord about my calling more than I talked to anybody else about my calling. Mm. Um, and then that was a, that was a profound shift for me um, because my tendency, um, like maybe a lot of the other guys who are listening is, uh, is to be like, really driven wanting to constantly grow, wanting to constantly develop. And and so I didn't live well with the ambiguity of like, what's next. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there, there had to come a shift in my heart and a shift in my thinking when we were at red Hill to say, okay, like serving the Lord is not, not just about the next thing that he's calling us to do. Serving the Lord is about, um, I had a seminary professor say like, um, you're not just trying to get to the right place. You're trying to get to the right place in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like the way matters too. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think my encouragement continually would be talk to the Lord about your calling more than anybody else. Um, and then like, I mean, this, this isn't rocket science. This is not revolutionary. This isn't my brainchild at all. Um, but I think if you are, deeply setting your heart on communing with Jesus on the regular, like you are opening scripture and asking him to speak Mm. and you are fighting to enjoy him, then do what you want. Mm -hmm. Like, like what do you want to do? Okay. Well, trust the Lord. What is it? Proverbs 16 says a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Mm. He's going to take care of you. So just Mm. relax a little bit. It's easy to feel so frantically invested in that. But I'd say, yeah, just continue talking to the Lord and I think um, in in the right time, at least in my experience, he's tended to to kinda show the next step down the right okay. path. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you are planting a church mm-hmm. in Champaign, cool city, Illinois, which Illinois isn't a cool state, but you're in a cool spot in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And probably one of the best places to be in Illinois. I mean just seems like a cool spot. So it's really cool. Uh, but you're you're a Christian husband and a father, and I know your priority is your family. Yeah. Now, how are you going to find time to be a planter when you're giving the appropriate amount of time to your family? How are you going to balance that out? Because you have to be a planter. See, I'm, I'm inverting the question. How I normally ask it. I normally <laughs> ask it. How are you going to have time for your family? But but it, because I know you're going to from the beginning have your priorities aligned how are you going to maintain time to be able to be a planter and be on campus and meet all these people
1: that's a really good question um yeah i think i think for aaron and i like we even just this last week like because you get thrown into a new place and it's like that's when like the rhythms and the practices of your life, like, really get tested when you mm-hmm. get thrown out of the norm, and everything's different. And it's really easy to just start saying stuff like, "Well, we just got to make it through like this week. If we just yeah. make it through this week, we're gonna be fine." <laughs> and then you say that for ten years, yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and so we had to. We sat down. Um, we have a friend who moved up here with us, who's uh, on the core team, and so. Um, she's living with us actually. So she was able to sit. Bennett went to sleep. And so she was at our house hanging out where he was. And so Aaron and I just walked, uh, walked down to a 24 hour diner and sat over a crappy cup of coffee and, uh, <laughs> and got to, and it was holy man. It was a holy moment. We got to sit um, and just remember like, we, we have to um, not everybody has done it this way but we've seen do church planning, But for us, like, we've had to say, okay, Friday, a half a day on Friday, Erin is getting time to go be an adult woman. And if she wants to go to a craft store, if she wants to sit in a coffee shop, she's going to do whatever she wants. And then on Friday afternoon, I'm going to get four hours to go. And if I want to hop in my kayak or I want to go have lunch with a friend um, like we want to have intentional time where we're able to just hear from the Lord and reflect mm-hmm. and pause. And then Saturday for us is a family day. And so, um, in, in less, like, like we talk through it on a case by case basis, like we don't have a set list where it's like, only if people have died, only if people have lost someone. Right. But for us, it's like, we make the decision if I'm going to go be a pastor in that moment. And it's not always yes.
2: Yeah. You know? yeah. Um,
1: and so we just have to think through that in the moment of like, where are we? Do I have to be there? We, we try to think through it that way. Um, and so for us, like, how do I find the time to be a church planter? Uh, I, I think the way that I do that is I put the guardrails into my life that say like, okay, here, here's like, the the lowest common denominator of what it looks like to really invest well in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, because I know that that's like secure, I know that's how the rhythms of our life work. Then I get to go, okay, I know like Monday through Thursday, I'm going to push really hard Mm -hmm. and Sunday is still like Sunday's going to be a work day. But right now Sunday is like, I mean, we don't have, I'm a pastor without a church right now. So it's like, visiting other churches in the city. We're eating lunch with our core team, investing in them. So Sunday is still thought of as sort of a work day for us. Um, And so I know those days it's like, I'm going to push really hard, but when it's time to hit the pause button, it's like, okay, that means we hit the pause button.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So right now, what are you most excited about in life and church planting and, Uh, It may be preaching regularly or just seeing God work or something. And then what are you most scared of right now? So what are you most excited about and what are you most afraid of?
1: Um, I think uh, this is partly wiring and this is partly because I was just working on it today. Um, I think something that I'm really excited about is um, making sure that we have like systems of shepherding in place that we're able to care for people. Well, that we're able to, uh, like, I don't think this is like my original sentence, but like, if the gospel is a stumbling block, I want to remove everything that doesn't have to be there. Like you got to wrestle with Jesus and I'm not, it would be wrong of me to like try to pull that out of the way. But I don't want to make getting connected in our church harder than it has to be. Yeah. And so, thinking through some of those pieces has me really excited because I am—I'm I, I, good at thinking through like systems and processes, but I'm really bad at like day-to-day administration.
2: Mm. And
1: so, us spending the hard work time on the front end of building systems out that like actually help me to do that well is very exciting to me because then it's like, Oh, I don't have to have this frantic question mark over my shoulder all the time of like, Oh crap. Am I forgetting somebody? Am I leaving somebody alone in the hardest moment of their life? Am I, are there new people who've connected in our church that don't know Jesus that I like need to invest in or send another leader to invest in? Um, the systems help us to do those things well. And so I think I, that may be a really lame answer that I'm excited about systems, but I, I really am. I really am. Um, what was the second part of your question?
0: What are you most afraid of right now?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, just like being real honest. I'm like, I'm an optimist, optimist. And so like I going into this, it's like, talking to people about church planting, they're like, well, what if you fail or what if it doesn't work? Or, and I'm like, I haven't, I'm not even thinking about that. Like, we're just excited, you know, but then you get here and you get into the work and you go like, Oh man, this is like actually kind of hard. Sometimes it's really fun sometimes. And then sometimes it's like, Oh gosh, we didn't like, there aren't any familiar people here yet and like that's hard on my wife and like you start feeling those moments and you're like, what am I even doing moving to a new place to do this? It'd be so much easier to just go get a job on a mega church staff than what I'm doing. And so I think the fear comes out as like, Oh gosh, this is like, what if, what if I can't do this? Like, I guess that's sort of the fear that's bouncing around in my head at times and, uh, yeah, I think, I think the last season has been the refining process of going, like, like, fear doesn't mean you're not doing the thing that God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. like, fear is either an opportunity to, like, run to Jesus and, like, I think cling to him in the thing that only he can pull you through. Or it's an opportunity to like hit the eject button, tap out, and yeah, and we're not doing that. So
0: yeah, again, again, man, that's good. it's good stuff. Now, you've been before planting. You've been at Red Hill for how many years now? You've been at Red Hill for three years.
1: Um, no, I was so I was at Red Hill from 2014 until this year. So it was okay. only, yeah, five full years.
0: Okay, speak to guys that are maybe wanting to plant, but are younger and you know when you landed at red hill you were younger uh already had a little bit of experience under your belt but not a ton no what was the advantages of being at red hill for four years rather than just going and just trying to plant and give just a word of encouragement for young guys uh, who um maybe wanting to just get ripping and roaring and, and getting after it and encourage them to pump the brakes a little bit and maybe get connected at a church that uh, is somewhat similar to Red Hill or something like that. Just speak to the advantages of being at Red Hill for those four years.
1: Definitely. Um, Well, I think you mentioned like meeting me and like feeling like there was like this humility about my giftings. And I think there's like truth to that. I think the Lord had done that in me at an early age, but there was also like, I mean, when you're good with people, like, it's just sort of easy to front a little bit. And yeah. so it, it's it's easy to, like, feel the adrenaline of using your gifts and think that that's enough to, mm-hmm. like, go do a thing. And so I think for me, the process I had to go through is, like, really, um, really kind of looking myself in the face and going, there were some – there were some major areas, Jared, where it was like, my my character afforded me opportunities, or I'm sorry, my giftings afforded me opportunities that really my character had no business accepting. Yeah. And I was just, I was like serving in the worship band and dating real poorly, doing like romantic relationships really terribly. And I think like right before that preparation series, Um, that preparation season was really like the darkest moment of my life of going like, Holy crap. Like who even are you, Nick? Like you're, you're, you're living like two different people. Um, And that, and that was heartbreaking for me. And and truthfully, like, I mean, some of the guys coming out of seminary or thinking about going and planting right now, like you may be further along than I was in that, like maybe you're really who you say you are and praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think I I had to sit in I had to sit in the slowness of like okay walk with Jesus follow him obey him um, serve um, there was there was a lot of tension in me in the church that I was at preparing mm-hmm. because I I felt like I got to a place where like I was ready to take on the responsibility of elder. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't understand why there was a pastor in my life saying, you're gifted. I like you. I just don't think it's time right now. And for me at first that felt so, um, it felt so offensive Mm -hmm. and it felt like, well, if, if I'm called to this and this, like the pastor in my life is blocking me from doing the thing I'm called to do, then I need to just go like, I need to dip out. And so I think there were moments where like I tried to dip out earlier than I did. Mm. Um, And it was, it was the kindness of Jesus that He didn't let that happen because there would have all the dysfunction of, I know how to do this better than somebody else is just a really terrible reason to plant a church. Mm. And it just sets things in motion that are so broken. Mm -hmm. And it, but now I think going Going through that ser- um, that season at a church plant, where I had a leader who was deeply invested in me and my walk with the Lord, who was deeply invested in my marriage, um, and like also serving in a church plant, man, you get opportunities as a young leader to do stuff that nobody else would let you do. <laughs> like if you if yeah. you went to a mega church, like good luck preaching the Sunday morning gathering. When you've preached four sermons, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so, but you get those opportunities. So you've, I I would encourage you like find a leader that you respect, that you're willing to submit your life to and um, really commit yourself to learning and say, say yes, as much as you healthfully can to do stuff.
0: That's good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It really is an art. You know, you hear people all the time. You got to learn to say No. But you also have to learn to say yes because there's going to be opportunities to teach at a an assisted living home when there's four older women there, yeah. and you need to say yes to that, and you yeah. need to take that opportunity, and and so you know you're right, you need to take say yes a lot, not yeah. to the point that you're just your hair's falling out and you're you know <laughs> losing your mind, but but you do in those moments when you're when you you got the time, you've got the energy, and and you've got the opportunities, you need to take them. You know. Totally.
1: There's something about like actually getting into the work because when you're like when you've got a lead pastor over you, there's a reality of like stuff that you're being shielded from, or like criticism even that you're maybe being shielded of of like, why are you letting that guy preach who's preached four sermons? Mm-hmm. He's the one getting that phone call, not me. Yeah. Right. Um, and so like like embracing that and starting to, it's, it almost feels like weightlifting to me of like, you just have to grow in capacity hmm. because what exhausts you, your first year of seminary, at least in my experience, like now I look back and I go like, Nick, that must have been so hard for you. You know, it's like, <laughs> like tongue in cheek of like uh-huh. the, Lord, the Lord has actually like grown me. I can do more than I could. And that's fun. You know,
0: that is so cool. Now, you and I have both been helped by Zach Eswine. Yes. And we got to sit in a room with him. You have a couple times, but we got uh-huh. to sit together in a room with him and, and just pick his brain a little bit. And uh, what, what is it about his way of ministry that, you know, his book Imperfect Pastor was really helpful for me, and I think it, I don't want to speak for you, but I think it was helpful for you as well.
2: Oh, yeah, um, very much.
0: What is it about that way of ministry that's so unique and just sitting down in a room with him that day that's so different than than much of what is out there right now not all of what is out there right now in the church planting world or in the pastoral ministry world but it is very very different than most of what is out there right now what was so unique about that day and just about the way that he he lives and ministers
1: Yep. Um, I think like me, cause I had, I had read his book going into the moment. And so I sort of, I didn't know how to, what he was going to be like interpersonally exactly. But I was like, unless this guy's like totally duplicitous, yeah. like you know, just expecting something unique, um, in, in who he is. And, um, like as a guy who like loves systems and loves that stuff, like I, I can kind of, easily get sucked into like a lot of stuff that's probably unhealthy in a lot of ways, if I'm not careful. Um, and I think I had even in that season was wrestling with like my relationship with reformed theology. Mm -hmm. Um, because not that I was like questioning like the, the core doctrines or whatever of, of reformed teaching or whatever it was more a culture thing for me. It's like Mm -hmm. you hear Ray Orland talk about like, I love Reformed doctrine and you should too. But I'm really worried about reformed culture. Um, Like how the reformed community interacts with one another. Mm -hmm. And so like, I had just felt that of like, man, I like, I'm down with all this stuff and I love this theology, but I'm not raising the reformed flag very high because I don't care being around some of my friends who who like fall in that camp at times, you know? Uh Um, And so I think I was feeling that um, of like this like aggressive, all profit, no priest kind of like the stereotype of Mm -hmm. the reformed camp. And so.
0: And and let me ask you, Nick, what the stereotype of the reformed camp, do they drive the kind of truck that Zach Eswine drove? No, they don't.
1: (laughs) They probably drive like, a Prius or like a minivan <laughs> oh, stickers all over it.
0: Oh man. I knew something was different when we drove in the parking lot of this church building and I see a 1991 Ford Ranger that, that is in the parking lot. And I was just saying, God, please let that be Zach S. Wine's truck.
1: Yes, <laughs> it struck. Yes. <awesome>. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you that, that like
1: the difference you, you walk in the room And just this very meek, unassuming man who, like, one the kind of guys that you, like, make eye contact with and cry immediately, Mm. just feel like they're, like, looking into your soul. Just this, like, this pastoral tenderness, this quiet, abiding. It felt like, man, I long for this for our church. Um, Like, sitting with Zach, it's hard – I call him Zach. Like we're best friends. I mean, we've had a couple of you guys
0: do text on the weekends, don't you? Oh
1: man. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, I got to get off here actually to go call Zach. (laughs) Right. uh, There's something about being with him that you leave and feel like you've had an encounter with Jesus. Yes. You know? And like I leave that moment and I go like, I don't know what that was but I am very interested in having that in my life. Mm -hmm. And then I pray to God, like giving that kind of space to the Mm -hmm. people that I shepherd and the people that I lead. And like, man, there's just this, this quietness to it. And I feel like it's the, it's the kind of thing you look at. This is one of the things I admire about you. Like you look at it and I go like, that guy actually loves his life and he loves his church and he's not run ragged. And that is like, so like that gives us a vision of getting to actually do this thing for the long haul.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. Amen. Let's run hard. Let's see people come to know Jesus and invest our lives. And like, let's actually have them something, something to invite them into that's genuinely compelling. That's genuinely a life that's actually born out of abiding with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what, man, me and my wife have just been talking through and wrestling with of like, man, we just more than anything, we want our home to be a place not where we just put on good performances of hospitality and cook great meals, but a place where people come in and they sense the presence of Christ. And like that comes only from on high. Mm-hmm. Like you can't fabricate that. Yeah. And so man, we just, we feel desperate for the Lord to do that in our ministry. That's what we long for.
0: That's so good. Mo- most pastoral ministries, if you just kind of assess that, I don't want to say, mo- I don't want to speak too negatively about sure. the pastoral role, but in really broad strokes, it seems like pastoral ministry in general, it, it is, I mean, pre-trib, pre-millennial ministry running around as if the the, ch- the world is going to burn down tomorrow and it's just frantic, and it is just, I mean, we've got to get it done now, this very moment, this very instant, and we need some more uh, post-mill models of ministry (laughs) that's just able to relax and think for the long haul and just, I mean, think generations and decades more than just minutes and sitting in a room with with Wine, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go pick up The Imperfect Pastor, and you'll realize that that's not something that you can just put as a tool in your tool belt, it completely transforms everything. If you read that and, and consider the biblical model of, of pastoral ministry from, from that perspective, it really changes things. It's helpful. And, yeah. uh, but just like, you know, the doctrine of grace and knowing that we're justified by grace and we're reminded of the gospel on Sunday morning by Tuesday you know, we're kind of back on the performance wheel, and I feel like that's how it is in pastoral ministry at times also. Definitely. So staying grounded, staying the course, thinking long-term, uh, trusting in the Lord to build the church rather than me to build the church. By Tuesday, yeah. I often forget, and I'm thinking, it's up to me. It's up to me. It's up to me. So I, I, I'm i with you. And all the things that you said about, about him, it, uh, I really just appreciated his... Uh, it was just neat, man. It was neat sitting in that room, just
1: Yeah, it's uh, a there's something truly like it just felt like such a gift to us because we like like I said, like we really care about the next generation and reaching the next generation. And and so much of like what happens in that world is sort of urgency driven. Mm -hmm. And And I don't think there's like we need to like totally hit the mute button on missional urgency of like hell is real. Eternity is a long time. Yes. Um, And so like, we want to be serious about that. that We do. But one of the things Zach said that has like, it it feels like I want this to so be part of the conversation in our tribe is this mentality of like, God has called you on his mission, but he's not called you to violate your humanity in doing it. Hmm. You can't be everywhere. You yeah. can't do everything all the time. Yeah. And you don't feel like you need to apologize for that. The thing you need to apologize for is trying to be everywhere, trying to be like God.
2: That's so good. Yes.
1: Oh, man. that just, uh, yeah. And, man, yeah, go read The Imperfect Pastor. Yes, you'll, uh, you. you'll benefit from it.
0: All right. Final question, Nick. Yeah. Tell me why you love Jesus so much. Mm.
1: I... uh I listened to the shepherd's crook episode with Jared Wilson and heard you ask him this question. I
0: asked Noah Oldham the same thing. So you're number three. You're the third person I've asked this question.
1: And and I'm glad you do ask it because it has, it's had me sort of reflecting in my own soul. Like why, why do I love Jesus? And I heard Jared give theological reasons. So maybe I'll be a little less theological and more. Um, I love Jesus because he is beautiful. That is, that compels me toward my Lord, is seeing, um, I'm finishing up the Gospel of John right now. I think it's it's John 18 or something where uh, Peter denies Jesus uh, and he's standing by a charcoal fire. And then you get to John 21 and there's Jesus sitting on the shore by a charcoal fire. And the way that he restores him, like the tenderness and the beauty of that moment. I'm like, man, Jesus could have restored him in so many ways. Mm. Um, another moment where he like puts the mud on the guy's eyes yeah. to, to bring his sight back of all the ways he could have done that. It's like Jesus was saying like man was created from the dirt and I am taking you back to the mm. foundation of what it means to be human. I'm taking you back to eat. Like just the, like the beauty of how he does those things yeah. like wakes me up. And so, man, I'm just, I find myself constantly looking out for the beauty of Jesus. Awesome. Um, Yeah.
0: I yeah, love it. it He's beautiful. Yep. It's awesome. Well, dude, I appreciate it. I think this is uh this is going to be great. I think a lot of people are going to be encouraged by this. Nick, where can people find out more about new city church and uh, anything that's going on up there? If they want to, Hey, I do want to help a church plan out. Where could they do yeah, that?
1: Absolutely, would love would love to talk to anybody who'd be interested. Um, so, New City's website hasn't launched yet. That won't happen until later this year. But you can go to www. Um, and that's really the best place to connect with us right now. We'll talk about our church planning journey on there some, and then uh, New City. See you on Instagram. Um, if you want to keep up with like what's actually happening in the life of our church, that's a good place to do it. So yeah, the Vulcanings.net and then new city on Instagram.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much. Thanks everybody for listening and Nick. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit the shepherd's crook.co for care and counsel. Please call text or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.